Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's business soup. I'm your host, John Dibbavoise. Recently, a microscopic virus has created a gigantic disease, a financial disease that has shut everything down. Our tenants are saying, do I have to pay rent? Leo Hefner joins us once again from South Bend 7 to share the tips, tools, and techniques of landlordship, what to expect, how to deal with those calls, and how to pick up the pieces. Join us here where business comes for business. Leo, welcome to another serving of Business Soup. John, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you come back. Now, you are the leader in the forefront of South Bend 7, which is an equity real estate investment firm. Tell us about what South Bend is, and then let's get into the gorilla in the room, and that is the virus that has impacted the real estate industry immensely. Sounds great. So South Bend 7 is a debt-free private real estate equity fund. We buy and hold cash-flowing residential real estate in the Midwest. Breaking that down, you buy real estate properties, you rent them out, and your investment group garners the income that is generated as a result of those properties that you rent out, and then you pass on that income and tax savings and depreciation and such onto the investors on those individual properties. That is absolutely correct. See, I was listening and I read between the lines as well. Of course, you and I come from a strong background of real estate. We're talking with Leo Hefner from South Bend 7. And Leo, the gorilla in the room happens to be the virus. Now, whether you call it the CCP virus or coronavirus or the C-19, it has dramatically impacted those of us that have real estate interests, and I'm sure it's impacted you. How has it impacted South Bend 7 and you as a real estate investor and the leader of the team? It's interesting. As soon as Trump came out and started talking about doing you know, a, a stay on evictions, and he didn't do it from a national level, but he put it out there for the states to, to go ahead and manage and the counties to manage, within a day, we had a whole rash of phone calls from, from tenants like, hey, so I don't need to pay my rent. No, you do. So we got on it really quickly before the state of Indiana put any kind of moratorium in place. And we sent out a letter to all of the tenants essentially saying, if you're employed and you're not, you know, you don't have the virus, you still need to pay your rent. But on the flip side, if you are impacted, come and talk to us, bring us proof of your impact and don't move. And we'd rather work something out. And it's kind of funny because when we started South Bend 7, it's debt free currently. We tried to think of everything that could possibly go wrong and then mitigate that risk before it could even happen. I'll bet this one wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) This one was not there. (laughs) It's like, wow, where did this come from? Like, ah, yeah. So (laughs) we weren't prepared for that. But we do have a lot of Section 8 tenants. That's government subsidy. And, and with Section 8, as what used to be in the old days, they the government sends you the check, not the tenant. It still happens like that. We still get the checks. Yes. Yeah, so that you get the checks yeah. for the tenant's occupancy in your house. Correct. That's an improvement over the old days where the government sent the tenant the check and then you had to chase the tenant down to get it out of them. So what an improvement. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, a lot of these are not 100%. So some of our renters are 100% Section 8 where all of their rent is paid. Some of them, even their utilities are paid. 
other ones get like 40% of their rent paid and they need to cover utilities. So there's varying degrees of guarantee there from the government. It's based upon their income level and their ability to pay. They just don't get free rent, but if they have a job and they're able to pay part of it, the government comes in and says, all right, we want to make sure that you have housing for you and your family. We will give you this amount. It could be 40 percent, understanding that these tenants have the ability to make up the difference on not only utilities, but their living expenses, including the spread on the rent between the Section 8 guarantee and the rental value of the property. Absolutely correct. See, I'm, I and continue to listen. You got it. All right. <laughs> so it turns out that we only have about 30% of our homes are Section 8, though. So still two-thirds of our rentals are in a vulnerable position with this virus and pandemic. Well, when I heard that the government was saying, hey, we're going to put a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures, within one breath, I said, well, there you go. I'll start getting phone calls of, gee, I can't make my payments or I can't make my rent payments or... And it's a, a serious trickle down. And I thought, well, what about the commercial properties? Are the tenants going to be saying, well, I'm not going to make my rent payment. And then the commercial properties are go down all the way to the lender. And I go, well, what happens then? Are you putting the rent or the payments on the back end of the mortgage? Or is there a, going to be a let's renegotiate this when we come out of this moratorium? Are we going to put try and make a spread, say, over the next three months, or is it just going to be put on the back end of the rental contract or mortgage? There are several things that I've heard different banks doing, and I've been chit-chatting with a lot of other investors in, you know, not only residential, but in commercial. The commercial guys at this point, they're not really seeing a dip in rental payments yet. Retail absolutely are. And the banks are doing everything from, we'll put some of these payments on the back or we'll give you a stay on some of these, but the insurance continues to accumulate. Right. Um, There's other ones that are redrafting the loan docs and extending the loan for up to a year and then having no payments for the next 12 months, but the interest continues to accrue. And then there's other banks that are just, nope, not going to happen. You're just going to be late and we'll deal with this when things come back out. So with the stay of executions, they can't foreclose, the interest still accrues, and if the bank so choose, they can put on the late fees and penalties and such. And when the so-called moratorium is lifted, they can either call you up and say, all right, you owe this, we'll do this, but you still cannot get out of the interest. That's correct. What about rent? Those of us who have rentals with, say, single-family detached or multifamily, if they're late, there's a penalty. Of course, there's certain procedures that you have to follow on that. Are we looking at that those are going to be put into the back end or renegotiated with the tenant, or is that going to be a grace or a, a tool to negotiate with the tenant on come clean or come current and I'll waive the late penalties type thing? I think that's really going to vary by each investor and each property owner. Our stance on it right now is that if people legitimately can't pay their rent, I don't want them to move. They need to have a place to stay and a place to to keep their families safe. I'm not charging them late fees because this isn't their problem. I don't have any mortgages to pay. I only have homeowners insurance and property taxes. So my cost to hold these properties is next to nothing. So I feel that we can do our part just by allowing these families to continue and be there. 
when all of this lifts and they start to go back to work, we can negotiate back rents, increase their rent 50 or 100 bucks. We'll take a look at it, whatever. But each house will be its own negotiation. And I assume that some of them are probably just going to have to write off and just let them start paying rent. And other ones will be able to negotiate something. But, you know, it's a lot cheaper for me to have these people stay in this house and start paying rent again than it is for me to drop three to five thousand dollars to get it ready for a new tenant. And that requires you go in, you clean, you paint, you market the house. When you're dealing in single family detached, you're talking about either 100 percent occupancy or 100 percent vacancy. Absolutely. Then you have to get the tenant to move in. And so it's more costly to acquire the new tenant than it is to renegotiate and deal with an existing one, provided that tenant is willing to work with you. Absolutely. If I'm a tenant and I say, you know what, I just got sick, I can't pay my rent, what's the best way to approach the landlord, whether it be the manager, if I'm in a multifamily or property manager or the owner of the property, what's the best approach to start telling you that I'm not going to pay you next month or this month? A phone call. I had just had somebody move out a couple of weeks ago because they got an eviction notice. And instead of calling us and saying, hey, I just lost my job and child support just sucked out my whole savings, they just upped and moved. And then they called me three weeks later to say, hey, I'm really sorry, but this is what happened. I'm like, dude, you should have called me. So communication is key. And if that's the case and you're sick and you're going to the hospital and they get COVID, there's going to be a paper trail. And it's not too much for us to ask of like, hey, you say you're sick, but there's a lot of other people that are trying to gain the system. So bring us your test or put your doctor on the phone or just to confirm or just something to confirm your hardship. Yeah, don't turn over your medical records, but just show that right. currently you're under treatment or if you're not in the hospital or if you're at home and you cannot work. And it could be that wherever you're working at has been shut down, non-essential. Yeah, absolutely. Working at the retail center in the mall, can't go in the mall. You're shut down, you're furloughed, you're on unemployment. Have the boss send an email or get get a doctor's note. Yeah. Not a big deal. So, you know, I tried to get a doctor's note on my broken foot so I didn't have to work. I'm self-employed. It didn't work. (laughs) Moving on here. As far as our audience here, they're business owners, and they all are struggling with coming up with creative ways to get their products or goods and services from restaurants to even online services. Everybody in this audience has investments. What are we looking at is when we come out of this, do you see it as an opportunity for someone who is a small business owner to be able to go out and buy something? Do you see a real big hit on the market or do you see a climb coming out of the market in real estate? Which do you see or what do you see? What I see is right now there's a lot of investors that are scared. They're not able to make their payments. They have people not paying rents and they're looking to dump their assets. And that's probably one of the biggest emails I'm getting right now is, hey, I've got, you know, three, five, 10, 40 houses that I need to get out from under because of one reason or another. Although they're not saying what their pain point is. I I get to that when I have these conversations. Well, let me back up for a moment here. You are in the same situation where your income has been affected by this, but you're debt free. So if somebody is wanting to dump their assets, it's usually because they have payments. They are leveraged. 
as, a, as opposed to what you do, you have no leverage, so your your overhead is much smaller than having to play to the lender. So these people have a huge nut that they have to crack, and it's piling up on them with no income. So they're looking to dump their properties. Is this an opportunity? Is it a short sale? How's that working? It's a huge opportunity. Some of these investors have hard money lenders that are on the back end. So I've been approaching them about buying the debt, buying the loan. Other ones, I haven't spoken with any banks about doing any short sales. I'm just not that far along because I'm right now I have more opportunity to buy than I have money to buy. So once again, I'm finding my position is going out and finding investors and raising money to be able to take take a lot of these opportunities down. Now, what I'm seeing in the short term is that there's not going to be much ROI for the next probably six months, maybe even a year because of this whole rent situation and getting the economy jump-started to get going. and But once this thing gets going again and people are going back to work and rents are being paid, you know, or getting Section 8 tenants in, then the money will start flowing again. But in the meantime, it's going to be a little, little slim on the ROI. So as far as somebody looking for opportunity, if they're sitting on the sidelines, they'd be looking at a, a deal that might come along at a price point that makes it a good buy. But if they're trying to look for buying a cash flow, like, you, like we do when you buy a business, you buy a cash flow, this is more buying an equity position that is an, an advantage because of the market conditions that have occurred. You go in and buy it from, like, buy the note, as you pointed out, buying the debt from the mortgage holder, lien holder. Right. You know, and, and part of that equity play that you just brought up is, like, one of the sharp points of our, our tools here. The reason why we do this and why South Bend exists is to not only have the cash flow, but to build a larger portfolio that a much larger investor or hedge fund would want to swallow up. So we try and buy all these houses with a minimum 20% equity, a lot of them close to 50%, so that when we do reach that exit, if we weren't able to get the cash flow for a year, but we can turn around and sell this thing with a, you know, a 30, 40, 50% equity profit margin, then we still win. We're talking with Leo Hefner from South Bend 7. Leo, your website is southbend7.com. Southbend7 with the number seven. And for our audience, this is not a sales or solicitation of any kind for an investment. This is information about what the market is like. It is different in different regions. You have found a niche in the Midwest where you pick up properties for the South Bend 7 Equity Investment Fund. And you get great deals on these properties, and you have a market where you are being paid directly from the federal government, if not in entirety, but in a percentage amount. And that revenue is guaranteed by the federal government. And you have a much different business model than most of us who go out and buy a single-family detached, put 20 30% down as an investment. We have a mortgage, and then we go out looking for a tenant. They pay us, we pay the bank, and it's a domino effect. And in the case of these dominoes, the tenants have stopped paying, but typical investor is on the hook for the mortgage. And now I've got to work with my mortgage holder. And that is such a sticky wicket for the investor. You don't fit into that category. Hats off to you. One of the things that I've seen a lot of these equity funds do 
is that they are guaranteeing a huge cash-on-cash return that is up in the double digits. And that's because what they're offering is a high debt-to-value, a loan-to-value ratio. And so your money, you're working off the bank's money at a low interest rate, but it's giving you a higher rate of return on your investment. That's where you get into the double digits and return on investment or ROI in real estate. Yours aren't up there, but yours are your properties are free and clear. They are. And, you know, traditionally our, our returns have been in that six to seven percent range for the last couple of years. Now that that's cash on cash. That's before the uh, the depreciation or the uh, investment credits or anything, anything that my particular individual tax bracket might take into play. So I'm looking at as opposed to the 0.025 interest rate in my bank account, this would be yielding me a 6% cash-on-cash return before I take the deductions. Correct. And the way that we're actually structured is that our investors get a K-1, so they get pass-through depreciation and cost of home ownership passed on to them. And then the dividends that they get are return of capital. So the dividends they get through the year are not taxable income, because it's return of their, their initial investment. And then they get a K-1 with the pass-through depreciation. So with that said, it, it's I've had some CPAs crunch up the numbers and say that after taxes, it's closer to 10%. Well, and again, this is not an offer of solicitation or no. guarantee of return on investment. I may have left out a few words in there, but this is about content, folks. What's happening in the market We've never seen a recession by an event, as I call it, that is worldwide. And when you, other recessions by event could be a hurricane or a tornado that affects a particular regional area. Not in this particular case. We're not here to talk about the politics of it, but it is an impact worldwide. And it has taken down every aspect of business except online grocery delivery. That has taken off. It has. <laughs> that is absolutely. I think this has even killed like Uber and Lyft. You know, and yes. those guys were they were running strong for a long time. But those businesses that are in particularly in the pizza delivery or Netflix or grocery delivery, if you want your groceries delivered out here where I'm at, it takes almost a week to get an appointment. Well, wow. you know what? I, I really need that onion for my soup tonight. Well, I'll make sure to bring you an onion tonight. Absolutely. A little bit of a drive. Actually, you'd you'd have to throw it up from the street (laughs) because we wouldn't let you in. (laughs) I'll bring my air cannon then. (laughs) Leo, I want to thank you for joining us. This is Leo Hefner from South Bend 7. Visit him through our website at BizSoup, the best source in business. Leo Hefner from South Bend 7. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on the real estate market and what's happening in your world and beyond. Glad to be here. Thank you. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.